The very <laughs> smart <laughs> brothers. Panama? Hi, it's Oprah Winfrey. Calling to tell you, I don't know you, but I love you. This podcast is fantastic. Every nigga is a star. Every nigga is a star. Everybody, welcome to Past the Peas. I am your host, Panama Jackson, and I am joined today by good friends of mine, fellow podcasters, individuals whose opinions are often right on the money, but sometimes they, they're ill-informed. <laughs> and with that spirit in mind, the, the homies Jabri, Frank, Manu, uh, members of a podcast called the Ill-Informed Homies Podcast. How are y'all doing? What up, Panama? Wow, wow. That was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting that either. But, you know, that's that's in the spirit of what we're here to talk about. Um, Right, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Uh, For those who did not read the description of this this particular episode, we are here to talk about the passing of one Earl Simmons, better known to the world as... DMX, uh, rapper, songwriter, actor, humanitarian in odd ways, social media teaches us. Uh, He passed away recently at the age of 50. On April 2nd, he uh, was admitted to the hospital and went into a coma. The reason is kind of up in the air. I'm not completely sure. It was reported by some outlets that he ended up, he overdosed, but it was not reported by other outlets, so I don't really... I'm not 100% sure what the case was. Um, after a series of brain function tests and whatnot, and he never showed any improvement, his, he was effective. The, the news kept coming out that he was effectively in a vegetative state. The prognosis was not getting better. It was, in fact, getting worse over the course of time. Uh, the family released a statement on this past Friday morning that states, we are deeply saddened to announce today that our loved one, DMX, birth name of Earl Simmons, passed away at 50 years old at White Plains Hospital with his family by his side after being placed on life support for the past few days. Earl was a warrior who fought till the very end. He loved his family with all of his heart, and we cherish the times we spent with him. Earl's music inspired countless fans across the world, and his iconic legacy will live on forever. We appreciate all of the love and support during this incredibly difficult time. Please respect our privacy as we grieve the loss of our brother, father, uncle, and the man the world knew as DMX. We will share information about his memorial service once details are finalized. So, um, I'm assuming, like for me, for you all, that news, finding out DMX was in the hospital, uh, in a coma, I was hoping he would pull through. The news did not get better over the course of the week. In fact, the little bit of news that trickled trickled out uh, effectively 
let us know that this was not going to ever get better. Like we, DMX was in his last days. But on Friday, when the family finally released a statement, after everybody on social media tried to kill this man off prematurely, uh, when that statement came through, it hit me really hard. Like, I was more impacted by it than I expected to be. And I'd actually tried to avoid most of the news about DMX all week because I realized I cared more than I expected. DMX was an icon. Uh, legendary rapper. We can get into the semantics of what that means, legend and all that other stuff. But for most of our adult life, DMX has been a part of it in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, I'm very sad at the loss of DMX, who in the last few years we got to know and we got to see him. It's kind of like, you know, I'm going to use a bad analogy, but you know how like when the last couple of years of Kobe's life, like all of a sudden Kobe became everybody's favorite person when for the entire like 39 years before that Kobe was kind of like hated by most people and except for the, the fans of the Lakers. And then all of a sudden everybody loves Kobe Bryant. It was surprising. DMX was, I think, beloved by many people, but the last couple of years, it's like DMX, like you, everything you saw about him made you smile and happy. You know what I'm saying? He seemed like he was enjoying life in some way, shape or form through all the trials and tribulations. So anyway, um, so let's go ahead and start there. I was very despondent when I heard the news. It really caught me off guard. I was very sad. The day sucked. What was you all's response when you found out DMX had passed? Real, let's start with you. It was uh, it was shocking news. Um, you know, he wasn't in the spotlight the way he used to be, but I could kind of I felt like as a big fan of his, I took comfort in knowing he was out there. You know that DMX was out there doing stuff, uh, doing something, doing stuff, being DMX, talking in that in that uh, that iconic cadence. You know, nobody talked like DMX, um, and you know I was a huge fan, been a huge fan for twenty some odd years. Uh, it's dark and hell, it's hot, flesh of my flesh, but of my blood. And then there was X. Look, that two year run, nobody can match that. Um, so you know, e- easily I thought back to those times and. I was deeply sad, and I, I was hoping he was going to pull through. You know, um, DMX, we, you know, strong dude. He's been through a lot, and he's pulled through before. So, you know, we were hoping he was going to pull through again. But, um, yeah, it was really sad news and shocking and surprising. And um, I was disappointed and, and deeply sad that he didn't that he didn't beat this one. Yeah. Frank, what about you? So I actually thought, so as you kind of alluded to, we knew that, the ending was on its way. And so I think prior to that point, I felt like, well, I've had a few days to kind of chew it over and he's been down this road before. And so I felt somewhat prepared for it. And then I think when the, when the official news hit, I was like, no, I wasn't ready. (laughs) I wasn't ready at all. Um, And I think that there's so much that we can talk about from a music perspective in terms of, how him and Swiss even actually make sense. Like when you think of Swiss and you think of DMX, how did that come together to make anything productive, right? Like it's so many things about his career that worked that wouldn't have worked for anybody else, right? Like he was definitely a unique guy. We talked about, you know, is he a legend or is he not? I don't think that's really up for debate really. Um, but yeah, like I said, I thought I was ready, but I, I was not. It's, it's, it's still It still shook me a little bit. No, that's for real. What about you, Manu? Woo! Um, 
you know, it's interesting to hear you bring up Kobe in these moments. Um, so, Kobe, complete shock, complete devastation, boom. DMX, I think it got me when they said he was in the hospital in the coma and that it was, like, due to overdose. And um, y'all know I'm a scientist, right? And so, for me, I was like, ah, oh, this isn't good. This is going to be the end. So for me, it was just that initial finding out that there was this risk of the overdose, and I was that just got me. That got me like hard. When he finally passed, I was like, he's free, and let's be over. But it was that I, I think some of the things that I know, I think I have a little bit less hope once somebody hits one of those positions in those places. Um, and so I started playing his music like then and there, and then when he passed finally, after as you said, all the fake, <laughs> all the fake people try to call him home. Then I was like, all right, he's he's he, he he's good. He's gone. But ah, uh, but I've been in that so it's four days. I was playing straight DMX music, so yeah. Yeah, me too. And you know, I'm gonna say this again. You know, like I take it back to when we were in high school, and when Tupac got shot the second time, the time they ended up kicking him out. For me, I've always had this thing that when rich people die, like of medical things, it's like, but they were rich, right? So Pac survived the nine bullets, the first or the six bullets. Y'all do the real count. The first time, and then this other time, that's when I was like, oh, he's going to pull through, and then he did it. So I think that also started to shake me on when somebody's in that critical space. I'm like, ah, let's do the countdown. So. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to do a, a, a Tupac thing because I, I, I feel like DMX more or less stepped into the Tupac space, that the void that Tupac left of like the probably the most authentic self-rapper that we we had in the game, like the one who you viewed as being, gave you all parts of himself, good, bad, and ugly, and you loved him for it because he gave you all parts of himself in his music, um, in his persona, the way that people interacted with them. Like every time you see a clip of DMX, it's like that. The, him doing Rudolph the like um, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer is like one of the most iconic internet clips ever. And, yeah, but it's yeah. such a DMX thing to exist, right? It's it shouldn't make any sense. You talk about Swiss. It shouldn't make Christmas any Carol? sense. And yet, it's also one of the most joyful things ever. Like if somebody's having a bad day, you send a DMX singer Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, and their day's got to be better immediately, right? And that's the kind of thing that I actually we'll, we'll just do this shit now. We'll, we'll do the Tupac thing now. We'll, we'll get that out the way because y'all all saw the movie All Eyes on Me. And there's yeah. one thing in that movie that I really want to know if it's true. Which is the day when they were in Vegas, when Tupac gets shot, when him and Sugar in the car, he, he, cha- he throws on a song that you would not expect Tupac to throw on. But then it seems so Tupac-y and to throw on Mr. Blackberry Molasses. I want to know if that shit really happened. Like, why? If that didn't happen, why did they put that? But it's like. It makes sense on paper that Tupac would do something like that because it's like, well, you know, Tupac seemed like the kind of dude who marched to the beat of his own drum despite all the elements around him. So DMX, I think the the authenticity with which he came with, seemingly from the very beginning, and the backstory, my God, like those iconic, but hit. So Tupac's backstory tends to be, it's not all bad, though it has some very bad elements. DMX's whole backstory is just like, you shouldn't even be alive, bro. Like, you shouldn't right. even got to 50. Absolutely. The fact that you got to 50, the fact that you got to, like, 25 is amazing. The fact that you actually made it to the point where you got a real record deal and were able to become this huge success 
Dude, 25. Like, give, the fact that he give, made it to 15. Well, Seriously. Yeah. yeah, give the people some of the details, Panama. Yeah, so, you know, DMX was somebody who effectively had a, a terrible relationship with his mother. His mother, somebody who locked him in a room for months on it. Like, somebody who said that by the time he got to prison, he was comfortable. Because he'd yeah. already been there. Like, he, he basically already been... He was outside free, but was in prison because of the things that happened to him. You know, he'd been largely isolated. He'd spent a lot of time in and out of the system in detention centers in jail as a young man. Um, felt like a dog was his only friend in the world. Like, I remember reading an interview where he said he used to just try to get reactions out of people just to see, just to get people to notice him because nobody cared about him. Like, he literally felt like nobody gave a shit about his life. And, you know, it's funny because some of the most iconic pictures I think of when I think of DMX are him by himself, just kind of amongst in a sea of thousands of people. But he just seems entirely alone, like in a weird way. Like he was just like this loner with a thousand people behind him. But his whole life seemed prime for for a downfall. Like he was a, he robbed people. You know, he, he's a he's a he's a career criminal before he became a career rapper. Right. Like he was his whole life was was crime. I watched the Rough Riders uh, Chronicles on, I think it was on, it's either on BET or TV one, whichever one. And I remember after watching that shit, I was like, I just want to give this man a hug. Like, I feel like DMX needs a hug, like, for, to, to make it through that. So, for somebody like that, and I'm far underselling what he's been through. There's a, there's a book that, there's an autobiography of, of DMX. DMX is told to, like, Smokey Fontaine that on Amazon is, like, $400 right now. Um, his behind the music VH1 is on YouTube for free too. Oh, Check that out because that's that's when I first learned about it. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So, yeah, so like, what? Why do you? You know, for me, the reason why I think DMX resonates so much is because of stuff like that. His backstory, his his that voice, that that unmistakable that voice that you know immediately. That that Snoop level voice where you know exactly who that is the second you hear it. The 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 very um, it's not contradictory. The schizophrenic, yeah. Like he, men, he rapped like about the style. party. He rapped about violence. He rapped about depression. He rapped. I mean, he's I mean, praying the could be, about God. Right. About yeah. God. Yeah, religion. Yep. Yep. When he rapped about negative things, sometimes it sounded like pray, like just cause I love my niggas. It's like, damn, that sounds real pulpitian. Like I, I feel like yeah. you, you're in front Ooh. of a, a church. Ooh. Ain't no fucking game. <laughs> well, well, we but we do know though is during some one of his stints in jail that he actually was like at least a deacon. I don't think he actually became a pastor within the the prison, but he was at least a deacon of some sort. Like he was really when he was in jail, he was really doing that, that kind of work. I mean, he is street pastor in general. Like the way that you know, and that's sort of like you listen to one DMX album, you're listening to thirteen different people. You know what I'm saying? This nigga might rob you, but try to save your soul. Back to back. You know what I'm saying? And I think that is part of the reason why I I gravitated towards him, too, because I'm a very big fan of Tupac, the person. But because of the way that I like because of the way that I felt like I got a lot of different uh, personas and a lot of different information like and DMX just made bangers. You know, like, why did y'all gravitate towards DMX? I'm going to jump in here. Can I go first? Can I go first? (laughs) So, you know, I was not, y'all, we all met, you know, right when DMX first came out. Y'all met, like, Fall 97, Summer Fall 97, right? So, he, you know, the first big hit. But you remember, DMX's first big single was that Lil' Kim with the locks 
Money, Power, Respect, the key to life. Y'all know I love female MCs, obviously. And so Lil' Kim was doing the hook. The locks put out the Money, Power, Respect. It was right after that Bad Boys, Benjamin's remix, which was crazy. And then DMX comes on that song. Gritty, hard, murderous. <laughs> I was like, yo, this is crazy. That got me. Money, power, respect. Hardest shit right after Lil' Kim doing the hook. Crazy. <laughs> All right, Jabri, what are you going to say? I can't disagree with that, Manu. That's great. Um, I was just going to say, you know, making the, the Tupac comparison. Like, DMX came through. He was the same kind of force of personality rapper. Yes. It wasn't all much. about his skills. You know, it was more about, like, the force of nature just that he was. You know, his voice, his, his I don't know, his bigness. I don't know. He was, but he, he was larger than life, I guess is what yeah, I'm trying to say. Presence. And, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't all about, you know, the lyrical content. Uh, it wasn't all about bars. It was, DMX was just, he was X. And people were drawn to him. People, you know, followed him. Like you said, you know, the pictures of him with all the Rough Riders behind him. You know, that's, that's what I remember when I think about DMX. What about you, Frank? I think for me, I think one of the things was just him being, like, so unique. Like, when we think about when he came through, like, who would you compare him to? Like, at that time, mm-hmm. it's really about... Jay and Nas and Big, but Big had passed. Let's just say Jay and Nas. Like, they really kind of running it from this, um, you know, boss type kind of figure. And DMX coming through with just, you know, I'm a street dude. I, I, I ain't on no Luciano type stuff. And I ain't trying to spit no bars at you, but I'm giving you that, that, that stick up boy, that B boy style that we used to. And so, and, like I said, during that time, you can't compare them to anybody because, like, we're partying during this time. We in the clubs during this time. And X is just like, nah, YO, baby. We keeping it, like, real thorough. And I was just like, he was just so unique for that time. Like, you could not ignore him. Like, even if you did not like him, you had to respect it. Yeah. I mean, his run from 98 to 2003, this man had five number one records. Two, two number one albums in the same year with It's Dark and Hell is Hot and Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My... Uh, Wait, yeah, Flesh of My Flesh, yeah. Blood of My Blood. He had some of the most iconic songs on there in, in Get At Me, Dog, the Rough Riders anthem, um, Slipping, yeah. uh, How's It Going Down. You know, like, they're just, it's like he has these amazing records. And, you, you know, he's, everybody's partying. DMX made party records, too. They were, just, they were just mosh pit party records, you know what I mean? Not in the vein of, like, Onyx made, like, Slam, but it was just, like, it was the it was party records for niggas who only wear Tims. Niggas who wear Tims to the club, um, or go to clubs that you can wear Tims to get in. DMX made party records for that crowd, and yeah, then he, he made, made party records for everybody songs. else with stuff like but party. He made up, romantic like. songs for women who love niggas and Tims. Yo, romantic might be strong. Can can we not say romantic because that's real real strong? I mean, they're hood love songs. Well, hood hood love, hood love. How's it going down as a hood love song? It hood is. Love. I mean, but you know what hurt. got me? You know what also got me about DMX though too? That like, as Frank mentioned, like Big had just died, and so what I think, what also was, I don't know, complicated for me about loving DMX, but just loving it, was remember when Big did Suicidal Thoughts, right? Yeah. It was one of those songs that when you rap, you're like, I shouldn't actually really say these words out loud myself because I don't wish I was going to hell. Like you know, he started when I die, fuck it, I want to go to hell. You be like, yo, I can't really rap this, but I have to rap this, and I love this song. 
And when DMX's stuff came out, like, it's dark and hell is hot, and even the dark part of his lyrics, you it was almost like, I can't really, I don't want to, like, own this for myself, but I, I'm, I'm in this with him. It was this really complicated, like, way of just bonding with him that was, like, things I would never want to say I wish for myself, but I feel him, and I'm going to rap along to it. I don't know. It got real complicated for me. But uh, I, that's, I a good, that's a good segue into, you know, this week when he passed, I know we all probably uh, dove into a bit of a, a re-listen, you know, to his older catalog. And I tell you, I wasn't ready, boy. That homophobia, boy. I'm telling you, man, that homophobia hit different. <laughs> it does. It does when you get older and you actually start paying attention to the words that are coming out of these niggas' mouths. And you're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to Where the Hood at today. Like, in preparation for this, I was driving, I was driving back home to get ready for this. And I guess I just hadn't, Damon had mentioned to me that, he's like, yo, have you listened to Where the Hood at recently? I was like, nah, I haven't. He was like, it's extra, it's a lot. I was like, yeah, okay. I put it, I was like, oh my, dear sweet Jesus. Like, it's like a whole verse dedicated to homophobia and like hating oh, gay wow. people. It was, uh, it, I was like, holy shit, I don't even remember this. Yeah. Yeah, times were different. Well, because there's also the misogyny, clearly. And uh, we're gonna get around and, to that you know, part too. <laughs> then we, you know, my, one of my favorite interludes, this is according back in the game when there were interludes on albums. And it's the interlude before How's It Going Down, when he's cussing out the young woman he's dating. Who I don't know nobody in Yonkers. I ain't fucking with no bitch, you fucking him. <laughs> Listen, I play that interlude. Three times a week now. <laughs> and I can't say I, I, I do the pretend same, that I'm but better I'm happy than that. for you. I hate that I have to listen to that interlude to listen to that song. Like if you listen to the album, like it's part it's part of the song. So it's like yeah, every time Yeah, I don't yeah. But that you know that that speaks directly to this very complicated legacy that a lot of the artists that we grew up loving have in general. Like you can't if you ever talk about these artists you love, it's so easy for somebody to come by and say, but these artists are not only problematic, they're toxic. They literally spit misogyny. They, that's literally their, their bag. Snoop, for instance. Everybody loves Snoop. Snoop is everybody's favorite whatever. Doggy Style is literally an ode to misogyny. The whole but album they, is but like... They sex, but they have safe sex in Doggy Style, so that makes it a positive. <laughs> but it's like, you know... Most a lot of these, I don't really say most of them, but a, a, a sizable percentage of the the hip hop that we listen to, when we were like DMX comes out like ninety eight, I think, like you said. So this is we're eighteen, nineteen years old. DMX comes out, we love this shit. I don't even, I didn't even remember the lyrics to "Get at Me, Dog." I was listening to it, and I'm just like, oh shit! Like I don't even remember this stuff because it was just the energy propelled me. But I think about my favorite albums, like I've said before like nwa's niggas for life is like one of my favorite albums ever my god i can't even listen to that album now like i feel i feel embarrassed listening to that shit because the whole album yeah i do actually i mean there's an entire song about murdering women the whole song is about it's called find us and flee it's rough it's real rough my dude (laughs) the song's automobile like um she swallowed it. It don't matter. Just don't bite. Like it's they yeah. talk about raping fourteen year old girls on these albums. You know what I'm saying? It's what like, I find, what I find really dark and fascinating at the same time is that we weren't offended at the time, but now it's like it's clear. It's, that's not even a gray area. It's right. like oh no, that's not cool at all. But like we didn't know no better, and it, 
And, you know, the people who were older than us were accepting of it. So it was something that we had to learn and uh, teach ourselves and teach each other over these last 20 years or so. Like, it's crazy. Well, so let me ask y'all a question. This is interesting. Um, so, you know, that was what the time when they started to put the parental guidance war- or the parental warning on CDs. And your parents, you know, if you're so our parents maybe stopped us from trying to buy some of these things. Would you all now stop your children from listening to this music if they wanted to buy it? What would, what, what I would not. Do? I am not going to expose my kids to the chronic. Like I'm not I'm. I am not going to do my hip hop education will probably not include the chronic. There's too much shit I got to explain in that. Right. It's too much like it's 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 just which is difficult for me because the chronic is one of my favorite albums, too. But when I listen to it now, I'm like, man, this there's no letting up off the gas on the negative shit. You know what I'm saying? And that makes it difficult to just say, just listen to the music. Like the music is what drew me in. Like, you know, when the chronic comes out, we're 13 to 14 years old. Right. And you're reckless at that age. All you care about is what that shit knocks. Like the, the you know, the, I just didn't DJ quick is one of my favorite artists. He he's responsible <laughs> for bitch better have my money. Where the first lyrics are like, it ain't nothing like fat pussy on my dick. And I remember, I remember going on a trip in middle school where we counted all of the profane words in this song. And we got to 200. And I was like, my God. (laughs) But it was like, this is 200. That's awesome. And now I'm like, my poor parents had no idea what I was listening to. So, you know, there's a lot of common dissonance with some of this old stuff. (laughs) It's hard to listen. It's, it's hard to listen to now. Like I just, I get, I can't. Like I can't, I can't bump this shit with the windows down the way that I used to, because I'm like, damn, what if little kids hear this? Yeah, I have a bit of a different approach. Like I, uh, when they get old enough to hear, you know, some of the themes, I listen to that stuff with them uh, because you know we're a little. What's old enough, by the way? Just curious. Like for you, what's what's old enough to listen to it? Um, it's not necessarily uh, an age thing. It's maturity for each individual kid. Okay. Um. You know, I think uh, uh, between 10 and, and 13, um, where, you know, I can explain the themes. Hey, listen, don't listen to this song, like, to learn anything from it. You know, like, this is not what it's for. This is for entertainment purposes only. And, you know, most of these guys don't even, you know, they don't talk to people like this in real life. You know, just like, just having them, you know, understand. Because the cursing, I don't mind cursing. Like, we don't even really believe in curse words in our house. It's the, you know, it's the, the sexual themes, the, the, uh, the violent imagery and things like that. The rape, that, murder, and mayhem. That need the parental <laughs> guidance, exactly. So, you know, it's just music, and um, I feel like I can expose them to that, you know, in, in the vein that it's good music. Uh, but it's nothing to learn uh, life lessons from either, though. So as we talk about DMX, will you all not let your children listen to DMX? So... I'll jump in on this one. Here's something interesting. I barely listened to DMX until recently, to be honest with you, since, you know, the early 2000s, because, and this kind of gets to DMX, like why it hits so different. I liked Earl Simmons effectively, right? Like the, the DMX we got to see at Versus, you know, like he was rapping those songs, but he just seemed so fun doing like all the other stuff became larger than life to me than the actual music. To DMX, like I, when I'm going back and listening to these songs, I don't remember 99% of those lyrics of those songs. So, would I, I mean, based on the say, what I'm saying about um, like NWA and Dre, which is probably more extreme than, than a lot of artists, like I, I feel comfortable listening to Outcast with my kids, 
you know, um, NWA is a different story. But there are, like, the Rough Riders anthem, I would, I would expose my kids to just because that shit bangs, you know? So there's a, there is, I'm going to try to employ some of what Jabri said about trying to find when, when it's time to introduce certain music to my kids in a certain way. And DMX would probably be a part of that because he does have songs that were definitive to my life. Like, Slippin', I love Slippin'. Like that is that is yep. a very very good song. Like, as a as a autobiographical song, as a song about like mental health, as a song about you know like to over academicize this shit. You know, like as a song just about <laughs> like being a black man. Like that song is really good talking about that. And that is a song that I would want to introduce my kids to if I'm giving them a hip hop education. Like you can make a song like this. And the beat bangs, and then you put good lyrics on top of it, and you talk about real life. Like, you have you you hit a home run with this one. Frank, you quiet over there, Frank. Are you, Frank is quiet. Are you teaching DMX to the next generation? Uh, teaching them? I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know if I'm teaching that in a kind of like let's break down his lyrics kind of way. Like it, it just seems to be. I think if it comes up, you have to address it. But I don't know if I'm going to say today's lesson on DMX is yada, yada, yada. Like, I'm not even sure how exactly you start that conversation. Yeah, what were you going to say about Slippin', Bree? Yeah, uh, Slippin' was an important song to me. Like, uh, when I was younger, uh, I definitely, you know, had my struggles. And throwing, throwing on a song like that and hearing somebody understand, somebody, somebody who was hard, you know, somebody who was hard being able to uh, spit some feelings on a track. You know, I'm slipping, I'm falling, I can't get up. I felt like that at times. And DMX, like, I remember playing that song for my mom, like, when I was, like, trying to, like, explain to her what I was going through. And, wow. like, that was that was real. And, you know, I appreciate DMX forever for that. Like, you know, and we talked about, you know, his, um, I think you said his, um, his artistic schizophrenia, Panama. You know, like, he was all over the place because, like, then if, if you let the album play too long, he's going to say, and the men have been a jibble for suck my dick. You know, like, you can't just let it play, okay? But <laughs> there were definitely times where he hit the nail on the head with some real deep, introspective humanity. And, you know, slipping was an example of that. You know, So, you know, can I, can I, so when we, y'all was talking earlier about the homophobia. This is why this other song really hit me in a way, but also I love the song. Um, but it's also a problematic song, right? What these bitches want from a nigga, because yeah. that song lots of problematic. But 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 check it out. But he had Cisco singing the hook, and Cisco. Everyone back in the day was calling it this suspect dude or whatever we wanted. To, whatever people were saying about Cisco, and so for me it was this different evolution of yo this hard dude is letting Cisco sing this hook, and Cisco denied all the rumors and. You know, no. I mean, I don't know what Cisco's preference is. That that was like wild to me. Plus, I love that song and I love the verses. I know other people do not. I still probably play that song twice a week, right? <laughs> um, problematic though it may be, but I just I was like, yo, DMX with Cisco? Never would have thought that would have come together. So I don't know what growth happened or if it was just for the vocals, but that was mind blowing to me. I think we can assume that there was no growth at that point, at least. Like, maybe he sees growth 10 years later, but that DMX is DMX day one. I think this is just, hey, this is going to be a hit, get over it kind of thing. 
You know what I mean? And I don't it's, view DMX as a growth rapper. DMX, you get what you get with DMX. Like, what these bitches want is literally DMX at his most DMX. I mean, look, the first line is, hey, yo, dog, I meet bitches, discreet bitches. Street bitches slash Cocoa Puff sweet bitches. Like, Cocoa Puff sweet. Make you want to eat bitches, but not me. Y'all niggas eat off me, the you want, but not D. You know, it's like, it's... But the funny thing is, that whole second verse where he's naming all the women, that shit is traveling around the internet right now is mean. Like, everybody love loves verse. that. It's I funny. Love that everybody loves that song, as problematic as it is, which is, which gets kind of to this other thing about Brilliant. problematic. Like, I'm, I'm putting that in air quotes right now. People can't see that, but... Like... DMX was a problematic rapper, period. But this nigga was thoroughly problematic across the board, right? Like, his his baseline is, I'm going to make a problematic song, right? <laughs> like, it's I'm either killing niggas, I'm, I'm either doing damage to the community in some way, shape, or form through my robberies, my murder, whatever it is, uh, through my homophobia. And then on the same song, I'm going to tell, you know, tell a dude to, I'm going to suck my dick. You know, it's like, it's just... These niggas was just rapping. Like, it was, I don't know that there was at much thought and growth into it, except for songs like Slippin', where it was like he really dug into a bag of who he was. It was personal. The rest of the stuff but is think, entertainment. But, 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 I think, but, but, I think, I think I if you watch that, all of his songs are personal. Like, he's like, this is what I'm, I just walked off the street. I'm telling you what I just did yesterday, but I'm putting it to a beat. I think more of it was personal. It was just like, dude, why are you still doing this and you're rich? But that's where the drugs and the other things came into play. Because we wanted him to be living different, but, like, he wasn't. What were you going to say, Frank? I think I got to push back on DMX being problematic. Okay, I'm looking forward that, to this. In the sense that I don't think that he's relatively problematic, right? Like, so DMX is bringing in a lot of stuff at once, but he's not introducing anything new. So, like, I don't know if we can call DMX problematic without saying all of hip-hop. Well, not all of hip-hop, but hip-hop as a broad stroke was 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 problematic. I don't think that he in particular is problematic. Because okay. who was concurrent with him, Frank? Hold like, on, hold on. Like Snoop, Snoop, Dre. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Snoop. look, even, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think you're right. Like, a lot of, like, both things can be right at the same time. Like, if hip-hop wasn't problematic, so to speak, I still think DMX is making the same songs. Like, I don't think DMX is going to start making, like, you know, um, Brown Skin Lady from you know black star like dmx is still gonna make what these bitches want because that's that's but would it hit the same right so like if he dropped in 2021 could he do that could he still be dmx in 2021 like he was in 98 if he mumbled it he might be able to (laughs) that's unfair he speak too clearly for some of those lyrics (laughs) yeah i I mean but 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 yes i mean those look Nobody's going to accuse Future of being a, a guy who is like morally upstanding lyrically or Migos for that matter. Any of these, any, they still, they're still spitting the same type of stuff, right? Like I still, I, I still think they're rapping about the same things just differently, right? It just, the, 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 the music is different than it was then. Um, so I think I did look hip hop has a misogyny problem. That's, I think that's a, a fair statement in general. Like and it always has, like, I, I think it, it probably always has, maybe always will, because that shit sells, right? Like, at the end of the day, that shit ends up being on the best beats that work in clubs. Mm-hmm. But I do think DMX as an artist by himself, you could also call problematic. Like, I can't just say, well, you're just, you know, it's like, don't hate the player, hate the game. I mean, you can hate the player too sometimes. It's okay to do that because DMX still so, made those songs. 
so this is just so I bring up Roxane Gay's book, Bad Feminist, right? And she has this one of the essays in this book, and she talks about how she still likes or West Coast hip hop, right? And the words are totally denigrating to women. They really totally, are. But and and she does see herself as a feminist, is a feminist, but just can't help like this music. So maybe she's a bad feminist. So I, I don't know. I just want to. I don't want to give us passes. Well, well I no, do I don't. Kind of. I don't know that we. Should, but cognitive <laughs> dissonance is effectively what most of us practice when it comes to a lot of the hip hop and art that we grew up on, right? right? Like by recognizing that it is art and not like factual. Like tell your children to go follow this lifestyle and do it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, but it's still like I. I think saying hip hop was just misogynistic is kind of giving a pass to some of this stuff. Like they still made the music. I mean. You know, it was a choice to make it, and it was a choice to go as far as they did with these things. Like, DMX's verse on Where the Hood At that was, like, literally, like, 100% homophobic was a choice. You know, he listened to that shit back and was like, run that. That's the music I want to put out. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, you, on Money, Power, Respect, he said, you sitting up in the trunk starting to rock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, they, they made this music, and some of it was because maybe they thought it myself, but... Back in the mid-90s, these niggas weren't selling millions of records for everything. It was just the music they wanted to make, right? So, you know, I think younger people... Look, if I started rapping at 15 and 16 and my influences were these folks, I might have made I might have written some verses like that, too. And it had been stupid because it wasn't my life. But I might have thought that's what I needed to be rapping about, right? And it's just because the choices that I made would dictate that. You're talking about Biggie and suicidal thoughts. Like, yeah. it might be true to life, but he decided to release that record, right? Where he... You know, he that's that that's I don't have as much difficulty listening to it, listening to it as I guess I would like to have because this because Biggie is probably my favorite lyricist like ever. Like he's probably my favorite rapper bar none. So I'm I'm usually so impressed with the art of what Biggie does that it supersedes probably the the negativity or like I get to the negativity on the on the on like after the fact. But well, not even negativity, just like if you're a person of faith, it's just dangerous to say some of those things out loud. I, I, I don't know, that's what got me to that up. But let me ask you this, because this is one thing that I thought about DMX too, and I remember it's when we were all together when you first came out. I remember it was somebody in this crew, one of the people in our crew was like, yo, this nigga is 29, starting a rap career. That's crazy. So I also, you know, I'm curious, I want to give some props to like, he started it at 29, so you know this is 20 years later. He's well, he hit he hit major that late. He'd been rapping. Yeah. I mean, the at infamous, least 10 years prior yeah, to the at infamous Jay Z DMX battle was in like 93 or 92 or something like that. Like it was way before then. So he'd been rapping. He just he hit nationally. He hit like like a bomb. That's crazy. Late, you know. that's that's crazy. Make, but that's a good point though. We did think he was old. He had the oh, receding hairline. Yes, you know what I'm saying. We felt like DMX was old. <laughs> Because back then, it was old to be right. Like, I remember Jay-Z was 26 when he, like, broke. And it was like, damn, 26? What you been doing with your life? <laughs> like, you geriatric rapper? Like, what you doing? Which is crazy because 26 is not every, 26 ain't old. 29 ain't old. You know, once you, once you get there. For you. <laughs> I'm, well, yes. I mean, I'm just saying, having experienced age 26 or age 29, I realize how not old that is. You know what I mean? Um... See, so yeah, I mean, I look, I, 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 I started this by talking about how I don't really listen to DMX, which is true. Like, I realized that when I went back and revisited most of this music, because I just, I'm just, I'll tell you in a heartbeat, I'm a big fan of DMX, but I really think it's more. This gets back to my Tupac point. I'm more of a fan of the person 
the yeah. the person is more compelling to me than the art he created. The art is why I know him, and the art is it has its place. I will listen to DMX in the club, like, but it's very rare that if I'm thinking of an album to put on, it's gonna be any DMX record. But like a DMX human interest story, like I was all in for the Rough Riders Chronicles, like watching that and like reading about like this. Like, he's just a presence in my life, in our lives, I think, because of hip-hop. And whether he made another song again, he would still be there because he was such a force when he hit the scene. Like, those first five years were so impactful and so big that he was going to be there forever no matter what. Like, that's, I that's where that. he's in my life. So I, I understand that, but I was just going to say, like, I, I get that, you know, fan of the person uh, angle, but the music is iconic. It is Woo! iconic. Thank yeah, yeah. You, you know, yeah, Thank it, you. yeah. If I if I'm implying that I don't think he made iconic music, then I, I apologize for that because I do think he has absolutely iconic songs. I just, for me, I don't listen to them now. Is my point? Like I just, you know, okay. Like, I, I feel like it was timeless. Yes, I, I, do. I feel like he's timeless. Yeah. I just rarely listen to DMX when I'm thinking when I'm going back to listen to like I listen to I listen to a lot of Tribe. I listen to Biggie. You know what I'm saying? Like I listen to. I barely listen to Tupac records, honestly. Like, there might be individual songs, but I don't really listen to a lot of that. So, you know, that's, it's just... It's the best of DMX, yeah. and then it cuts through all the chafe, and you could just, like, put that in your, like, sample thing on your phone and get one come through. It's amazing. For the last three yeah, years. I yeah, I would never turn a DMX song off. But I'm okay, also cool. not... Uh, I'm not... Probably not starting with the DMX song when I'm looking for, like, a radio station on Spotify or whatever to start with. You know what I mean? That, that's what I meant. So, I apologize... DMX, if I made it sound like I didn't think your music was classic or anything, because I think he has absolute classic records. Just want that to be clear. <laughs> let's talk about his acting career a little bit. Yes, let's. Ooh. I mean, he got he got you know this belly, which Come is obviously a, a classic. He got flicks with Steven Seagal. I mean, <laughs> he could have been a, yeah with Aaliyah. He could have had a legit long term acting career. There was nothing except for maybe belly. That he wasn't at least decent in. He was a pretty good actor. Yeah, he was awesome in Belly. Yeah, I, I would, was, I would I, say that. Belly, Belly is brilliant. one of the greatest okay. movies. I, I I've heard Belly. I, look, I enjoy Belly and his performance in Belly. I guess I was out. I've heard I've heard people diss Belly. So that, they that's on me. That's on me. No, I enjoy I Belly. Yeah. I don't. Trust I shouldn't let that creep in. <laughs> right. Yeah, I love Belly. <laughs> well, my, well, my whole. I, I love Belly even with the bad performances in Belly, which were not DMX's, but like Nas or T Boz. Definitely like, T Boz. Let's, let's yeah. not judge. Let's not judge. Oh no, but no, we must judge because T Boz proves to us that failure is the, an option. Like she, you know, DMX say, walking through the club with the glowing eyes, yo, and with that scene with Taraji Hicks. I mean, yeah. DMX. Taraji Hicks. Uh oh. There you go. Was it Taraji? Taraji Hicks. Yeah. There you, you go. There I was like Taraji go. Hicks. Who that? Um, so here's the thing. I think I think with Belly's performance in particular is one of the reasons why we like DMX so much. Like, like you keep talking about him as a person, and right, I think I, that what we haven't really discussed is DMX. What you got on MTV or whatever it was, that was him off camera. Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. And so I feel like the performance in Belly works for that same reason. Like. You always got DMX all the time, and yeah. Belly gives you DMX on a Friday. Like, that's who that guy is, or that's how we think he is. And so I think that's part of the reason why we like him so much. Like I said, you, you see these, these camera shots of him totally offline, 
you know, not even with music or even related to music, just him with, you know, friends and family. And that's who he is on a Rough Riders album. Like, he is who he is, like, 99.9% of the time. Yeah, was Belly the first movie? Was yeah, that Belly was movie? his first movie, then Romeo Must Die, then Exit Wounds, Cradle to the Grave, Never Die Alone. His filmography is way longer than you would think. Now, a lot of these are direct-to-DVD, but... Is his longer than Tupac's filmography? Who who had more movies? Uh, I, yeah, Tupac. Tupac's definitely had more movies. Yeah, he definitely yeah. had more movies. Uh, I think Tupac had like six movies, but DMX lived twice as long. Right. Think about that. Isn't that crazy? Fifty versus wow. twenty-five. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I and and I also enjoyed Romeo Must Die, and Cradle to the Grave, and Never Die Alone. Like I, I've seen those movies. I enjoyed them. Uh, but you're, you're right, Frank. Like, DMX wasn't acting. He was just DMX in a movie. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, he couldn't even change his voice. Like, he just, you can't undo, you know, he just talked like DMX on set. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to bring y'all current just because this is the role that I'm supposed to play. And I, I, I'm just curious how many of you all <laughs> saw DMX on Eon La Fix My Life? Yeah. Oh, that, that was, was a, yeah. That was the famous episode. Right? Yeah. I, re- I remember Two that. Yes. Bruh, Ayala walked out and said, I will not be talked to this way. Yeah. He it, got Ayala to walk out on it. And he was DMX from Belly when he was DMX on Ayala Fix My Life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, huh? What you talking, huh? I just started talking to my son. What are we doing? It was amazing television. I'm just going to say it. But you also saw the compassion and love that he had for his family. But the demons that just kept him from like working. He was just a person, man. Ah. There's a term. It was like the unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Like, whatever that theory is called, that's what happened when DMX was on Ayana. Like, nobody was winning. DMX won. (laughs) The irresistible force paradox. That's what it's called. Like, I was trying to, there's a term for that. And that was literally what happened. Nobody, like, that's why Ayana walked out because she wasn't winning. She couldn't crack. Well, he also called her out her name, too, well, in a few different ways that she didn't find acceptable. But, <laughs> yes. Yeah. DMX is not a perfect man. Yeah. Far from oh, You can see the love that he had for his family. Like, it really, that what really struck me. And then what Ayala said very clearly in that episode, this is about addiction. This is not about him being this person or this bad person. This is about addiction. And I think that's... I mean, he had done the behind the music before then, but I think that really, at least for me, sunk it home. And I love the way she couched it of addiction is a real problem and it changes people. And and that's what you have to fix. And, you know, America said that they wanted to deal with people's addiction and all this and opioids and all that when it got to be other populations. But, you know, those that had been caught up in that maze stayed in the maze. I mean, so we didn't even, that's one thing we didn't even talk about. So we, we kind of like talked about the drug, but not necessarily how he got hooked on drugs. And like, you know, when you look back on his life, it's kind of like one tragedy after another, but it's just kind of like, I, I, and I might have had the story wrong, but like somebody tricked him and gave him like a lace joint with crack in it. Yeah, like, he was 14. He said when he was 14, it was supposed to be his mentor and it basically yeah. fucked up the rest of his life. Crack is instantly addictive. And by this point, he's already been drunk from an aunt who got him drunk at nine. You know what I mean? So, like, Manu, you just mentioned, you know, drug changes you. Like, at what point 
I don't know. I, I feel like that was DMX who we got because that part of him started so early. So, like, I don't know what that change or without drugs, what that DMX looks like. You know what I mean? Like, 14 years old, nine years old, you already getting drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean, this this speaks directly to what they what a lot of our, a lot of what I've seen on social media, which is like. You got to take care. We got to take care of our kids early. Right. Like you, you can effectively ruin somebody's life. And it's funny to say that because we see all of the success. Right. He managed to become super successful. Like he reached the highest of highs, but he was also he also saw the literal lowest of lows, too. And it might be some of those shits was running parallel. But because of the successes, we kind of, you know, you keep you, you mentioned early on, like these rich people, like we just think these rich people are somehow, you know, insulated from that shit. But it also yeah. helps enable the bad behavior. Right. You got more money to indulge those those addictions and those things. And if you've already got a problem with addiction, you're eff- that that money, that largesse is effectively yeah. going to kill you. If it doesn't, you if it doesn't kill you, you're one of the lucky ones, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. You know, that's I why I said all the time. Yeah. Biggie Smalls' realest song ever was Mo Money, Mo Problems. Because with Mo Money, you could buy more drugs and you have to have that self control. Yep, I agree yeah. with you on that, Panama. You know, and I hated that it almost seems sadly on brand that this is how he died. You know what I mean? Like it, it because of an overdose. Because of of problems he could never shake. Because of demons he, he could never get past. Like, you know, it's it's and it's It's Whitney Houston. It's reminiscent of Whitney Houston. Yeah, wasn't she around this age too? She was I think she was like forty eight when she passed away. So yeah, or roughly around the time. And it's so many of our entertainers die either because they don't have the help and support to like that that success that we thought didn't make them rich. Right. So they don't have the money. They don't have the, the access to health care, whatever it was. Or they still have these addiction problems that were trying to be a, a, a solve for things over time or whatever. And it just it ends up killing them in one way, one way or the other. I mean, it's. You want these people to live and die in old age of natural causes, but it almost seems like somebody like Michael Jackson, like it just wasn't good. It wasn't in the cards. You know, they 50. Just, he was 52. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, I think that's an important thing to talk about just how, you know, I think, you know, three of us here are parents, right? Like, and I know I spent an inordinate amount of time thinking about making sure, thinking about how I can make sure that my kids don't, I'm doing everything in my power to make sure my kids don't end up in, in that space where they have to rely on these other things in order to get from day to day, you know? And I hate that I think about that so much, but I also have seen so my family, people in my own family, very negatively impacted by addiction. And I've seen entire lives ruined because of that very close to me. You know what I mean? And then you see all these entertainers who have all the money and they're rich. And they, they don't even get to DMX lived. I mean, he lived to be 50, but he should, you know, 50 is not old anymore. 50 is not the 50 is 50 in 2020 and 50 in 1980. You know what I'm saying? It, you know, it feels like it feels young. But it is young. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, it is young. And it just we get we really realize it's young, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just like it's it's so sad that that this is how our legends pass away. You know, like the people who actively impacted our lives in such a positive way, one way or the other, 
or there's so many, you know, maybe maybe a better way to say it, there's so many positive memories attached to these individuals and the moments that they brought to our lives. And how many like the, those of us on we're on this podcast right now, all of us were impacted at the same time, largely by this yeah. artist. Like we got to experience this shit together right. in ways that a we'll, lot we'll of never times forget. In the club. A lot of times in the club. Yeah, the club was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we'll never, we'll never forget like those the club times. Yeah, yeah. We'll, you know, we'll never forget that shit. You know what I'm saying? Because let, let's take it up. And just talk about his verses with Snoop. Like, he did get his roses a bit when he did the verses. You know, I don't know when it was. It was last year. It was July of last year. July July. yeah. And, yeah. you know, album sales, boom, everybody's tuning in. I don't know where they did on the numbers. Do you, you know Panama, how that went? It was, went? from, at the time at least, it was the most it was the 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 most highly uh watched engaged one at the time and he was not drinking with snoop in that versus snoop was drinking. he was like nah i'm good i'm good i'm good so yeah. shout out trying. Yeah. yeah it's a good segue because you know we all got to see him this summer or last summer well was it the summer yeah was it was last versus? summer july 2020 okay yeah and we got to see him you know perform and stuff uh, i was gonna ask you guys had you seen him live? Did you guys get to see DMX live? I, I saw him live once. I don't think I've yeah. ever seen him I, live. I saw him twice. Um, Hard Knock oh, Life wow. Tour, 1999, when he came to Atlanta at Lakewood Amphitheater. Um, you know, people were talking, not me, but people near me were, were asking, you know, who's coming on last? I think DMX should come on last. It was called the Hard Knock Life Tour. So, I mean, we knew Jay-Z was coming on last. But... But just the fact that people wanted to debate it, it speaks to how large DMX was at the time. I don't think it was the most intelligent debate, but it speaks to how big DMX was at Wait, the time. Wait, but when was this? Other, when, when was this? This was 1999. This was 1999. Money, cash, hoes, well, hold up. Money, cash, it is the hard knock life <laughs> Come on. Tour, but is DMX as big as Jay-Z at that time? He's pretty big. He got three number one yeah. albums. Jay-Z never had. I don't think Jay-Z had three number one albums at that point. No, he's definitely at that time a bigger commercial success than Jay. I I, I don't. Jay, I, the hard knock life for Jay was like game changing. Let's be clear. No, it, right? it was, but Jay, but DMX came out the gate with three, with like five straight number one albums. You know what I mean? And right. two in the same year. So that's that's I'm that's why I'm asking the question. Like I, I ain't trying to disparage well, Jay Z's. The label like you know. who we spending money on on this tour? DMX be wilding and fighting and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Jay-Z old and settled. I mean, look, right, you're right. It's it's the Jay-Z hard knock life tour. Jay-Z is gonna close out the show. But the but the point is, there's an argument for DMX to close out a show. Absolutely. It's a very valid Absolutely. argument. Yep. Isn't this, so one thing we hadn't really talked about either. So like allegedly they were like really big rivals offset. Like J and D allegedly did not get along a whole lot. Like this is one of the reasons really? why. This is one of the reasons why we only have two or three Murder Inc. songs with with them and Ja, right? Like they butted heads. And I think part of that is what we're discussing right now. So like during this time, Jay is kind of like coming up and kind of like the crowned king of New York. And there is no debate about that. But at this time right now, DMX is putting up bigger numbers. And so DMX is like pretty much, why y'all on that man's dick? Like, look at my numbers. You know what I mean? So like. That is going on behind the scene, and then Jay becomes president of um, Def Jam. Of Def Jam, and then that's more beef. <laughs> like you, my peer. Was DMX, I, was DMX on Def Jam? Yeah, he was on Def. So yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. 
Based on uh, what I've seen, that's where their beef really like started to cook for uh, real, for real. Like uh, they probably had this kind of rapper ego thing back and forth then, but apparently when Jay-Z takes over Def Jam, he made promises to DMX. Like, you know, basically he said he made some kind of like the inmates have taken over the 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 prison kind of thing. And then he and then DMX felt like Jay didn't give him the resources and things that he needed. But what Jay-Z then did was wipe his slate clean and gave him a release and then released all his debt to Def Jam. So, you know, he let DMX walk away free. And DMX went to go sign with, I think, Columbia after that or something. So, you know, yeah. but so, DMX had a so problem well, be- with Jay-Z being his boss bec- or having yeah. say-so over his albums and shit because they did have that ego rivalry and all that. Well, let's do DMX versus Ja Rule because that was the other beef that really. Yo, Jabri came has out. a hot take on this. I don't know if you remember your hot take Uh-oh. on Jabri. I mean, on, <laughs> okay, on, let's hear it. on uh, let me see if you remember on DMX and Ja Rule. Do you remember your hot take? I'm, I'm stumped, dog. <laughs> <Okay>. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're, so you've had this hot take for years. You said this, damn, maybe twenty years ago. You was like, Ja Rule is a better DMX than DMX. I think I've heard you say that. I think I have heard you say that, actually. So, um, I mean, so I guess I meant musically. To be clear, I don't, like, disagree. You know, I don't necessarily disagree with that in principle, by the way. And I just want to be clear when you, when you, you know, you address that. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to stand by that one, but I think I will try to explain it. You know, Ja Rule, he made like better, like pop, like songs like so like he had bigger songs that um allowed him to have a bigger audience uh at times like ja rule had giant hits ja rule has a lot of money ja rule has you know sold a lot of records so i think i might have been caught up in the moment at the time you know i uh, i think that uh as term, in terms of staying power i would definitely go with dmx now um i feel like he was an icon that lasted longer but that's if only because 50 ja cent murdered ja rule's career I think if 50 Cent doesn't do that well, to Ja Rule, Ja Rule might be all right. <laughs> yeah. So that was the beat that took Ja Rule out, not DMX. But I will say this. Well, that was that, that's well documented too, though. So DMX definitely felt a way about Ja Rule and his voice and trying to be he in his space. He made a diss track. Yeah, he made a diss track against Ja Rule. Well, you know, they were supposed yeah. to be in a group together too. Remember, there was the, 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 the commission, Party right? Inc. It was... Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, that's right. The commission was Biggie and him. So they they have a couple was songs. Was Ink on Def Jam? Was Murder Inc. on Def Jam? They were a subsidiary yeah. of Def Jam. Oh, they, but okay, so okay, okay. they were distributed. Def Jam distributed them. They were they were still an indie. So there's a song um with J DMX. There's a couple songs with J DMX and Ja Rule. And I was listening to it. It's murder. Jay-Z opens up. His voice is way too light to compete with DMX and Ja Rule. Because Ja Rule's heavy ass gravelly voice, I was like, yo. When Ja Rule came I'm on this record, I'm I was like, oh shit. I forgot. I I forgot about Ja Rule. Ja Rule got one of them voices, and that, that, like, that, like, snarl with them. I was like, this is him and DMX. That was a very good, like, what for what in terms of, like, vocal presence. So, yeah. I, but anyway, that was your take from a long time ago because Ja Rule came in and figured out how to make, how to make, how to make songs that are going to be on the charts. But like in the number yeah. one slot. Can you see DMX doing any of them Ja Rule poppy songs with like a shot to Like that would look crazy. No, 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 At no. The carnival. No, no, no. I'm going to say, here's the thing. And I said this earlier. DMX would have made it work. Right? So you brought up Cisco. That song works because Cisco was doing DMX. 
DMX ain't doing nothing differently, but it's Cisco who's saying what a what a nigga wanting all this that we don't expect to hear from him, right? Like it would have worked some kind of way. Like well, I was I gonna say, it, I think, it, yeah. What these bitches if, want if he, is if basically to... DMX doing a Ja Rule song. <laughs> That's the closest DMX could get to doing the Ja Rule featuring Lil Mo or Christina Milian. Like that's as close as he could get. <laughs> right. To me, it's a perfect song. It's a perfect song. Oh, I mean, but yeah, I, I get the point. That's a good point, though, Fred. Yeah, that's that's as close as he could get. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's start to. What do you guys think DMX's lasting legacy will be now that he's passed on? I mean, death tends to elevate, at least for a little while. Like, is you know, I don't know. I don't know how much we thought about DMX's legacy while he was still alive. Like, DMX was just a presence. We love DMX when he shows up. It's always a good time. He showed up in verses. Everybody was excited because he's telling stories and he's can't breathe while he's in there and shit. And he's giving you 100%. D- Snoop is over here like, like I'm, I'm with DMX kind of thing. And they're both like they have that love for each other. Like you get you get a reverence in that moment. What do you think it's going to what do you think his lasting legacy in hip hop will be? And is he going to is he going to be timeless that way? The same way that, you know, it when Jay-Z passes, like it's it's gonna be or Nas, like they're they loom large over hip hop because of their lyricism and all the other stuff. Like where does DMX fall in that? Jabri, what do you think? Immortal. Immortal. Um, you know, we're gonna hear party up forever. Y'all gonna make me lose my mind. Yeah. I've been here at, at every sporting event. Like forever. Like, and you know, there's a couple other joints that we'll hear from time to time too, but DMX is immortal. Yeah, I agree with that. He he had he has he has at least one record that we'll hear forever, and that that keeps you alive forever. Like that's what all the greats have. All the greats have like that one damn song that you can never escape, like or that you can always use if you want to remind people that somebody was there. That that one that get that everybody, you know, everybody cares about. Like Biggie with more money, more yeah. problems and shit like that. Stuff like that, you know. Well, I, I think his is going to be is that sensitive thugs all need hugs. I forget who rapped that line, but I think that's what DMX put forward in all of his songs. Like, he was a thug, but he needed a hug. And <laughs> there we go. And I think that became clear for those that know his life throughout his discography. And, like, you could be hard as shit, but, like, it's a soft side to people and, like, love them through that. I don't know. That's what I think. I think what his legacy will be will just be his authenticity, you know, like that, and which isn't necessarily a word we use a lot in 2021 when we're talking about rappers or especially like new rappers. Um, and so I think his authenticity and his ability to be vulnerable, I think is what we're going to, that's what's going to kind of live on. Cause like I said, that's not something that we get a lot of now or really I won't make this, I don't want to make this a now thing, but especially now, but in general, we don't get that a lot in rap, period. And he was really, really big on that. And you can't really deny that. Like I said, he was going to be DMX no matter what medium he was in, no matter where he was, mic on, mic off. And like, you can't say that about a lot of people. Like his whole personality was a label, right? Like his whole dog personality made Rough Riders. No, he was... And how did he do that? He is his own mascot, but not cheesy at all. You know what I mean? Like, the things that he did, nobody else could do. He just has this kind of like these untouchable qualities that I don't think that we could really pair him with anybody else. Like, 
you know, Jay does the lyricism thing and, you know, maybe some other peers here and there, but his untouchables are off the charts. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, nah, I was just going to agree with that. Like his, his, he was a character, but it wasn't corny. Like, um, uh, you guys know, I bring this up all the time. I think that one of the, um, the most amazing and pure uh, storytelling art forms is professional wrestling. And uh, DMX would have been a great professional wrestling character. He's the dog. And it, it works best when it's not corny. Like when you're not walking around like a rooster or, some, or something real stupid. But like DMX made it work. He barked like a dog and we loved it. And that's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like I, I think when we think of we think of a lot of rappers, we think of why we care about them, right? And one of the things that, that DMX had going was that authenticity. He was, he was a compelling individual for whatever reason. I imagine whenever he walked in a room, you noticed him, right? Like you kind of just paid attention to DMX being there because unpredictability is, makes a lot of people compelling. You don't know what you're going to get. He, he could start barking. He might sit down and start praying. You know what I mean? He might require everybody around him to start praying. You know what you're going to do? You're going to pray. He'd be like, I really don't pray, but I'm going to go ahead and do this right now just because DMX is asking me to do this. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do that. You know what I mean? Because it just he had that kind of energy, it seemed like. He had that kind of gravity about him. He had that kind of pull. And there's only a couple rappers that I think really have that same kind of, that, that, that thing that also pulls into vulnerability. Like, Snoop is a very charismatic, like, rapper and persona. But I don't, I, you know, I don't know that I think authenticity when I think Snoop. I think character. I think, you know, he just has that. He's a star. You know, Snoop is just a star, you know, and he just has that kind of quality. When I think of, you know, when I think of Pac, though, I think of the authenticity and that kind of you just whatever it is that makes people interested in you as a person. He had that. DMX has that. You know, there are just certain people that have that. So I think his lasting legacy is is there's a there, there will be murals. There's going to be DMX murals. Uh, of course. Uh, t-shirt. Yeah, I'm, well, T-shirts already exist, but there, there will be the tremendous amount. He's going to show up in all the black pop art pictures with, you know, um, Bob Marley and Rosa Parks and, and Barack and Michelle, who are not dead, but uh, are in an amazing amount of these pictures with dead people. You know, I, yeah. it won't be surprising to see DMX show up in that because ultimately he is a person who mattered in the art form that he that he used to get his story out and he became bigger than most of the people that he was around just by virtue of the fact that he was he was too big to contain like the drugs took him out right the the alcohol whatever it, it these things took him out because they have a tendency to take everybody out if they can like if they can get you they're going to and it's sad that that's what happened um but his legacy was already cemented you know. I really wish that DMX got to live that that third act of his life, you know, that a lot of people we've seen benefit from that, you know, because, you know, we love a comeback like Mike Tyson, Charlie Sheen, Robert Downey Jr., Snoop Dogg, Rob Lowe. Like they all went from either being feared or being fuck ups to being beloved for managing to make a comeback. And, you know, I really wish that we got that DMX comeback. It would have been it would have been big stuff. Like, you know, he could have been acting and stuff. It's really sad. I remember like his um his cameo in Top Five, the Chris Rock yep. movie, like where he's uh where he's locked up, you know, that that part of your career where you come back and you kinda make fun of yourself for being a fuck up. 
you know, like I really wish that he got a chance to do more of that type of stuff, you know. Yeah, I'm glad that Same. he uh, he lived long enough for social media to get a hold of him, because that way he's going to be around forever through memes and the videos and all this stuff. I mean, I feel like one of the only people who don't have a video with DMX or a picture. You know what I'm saying? Like it's me, right, me too. What's that? It's about? like everybody got <laughs> videos, but if you go on YouTube, there's like all these random videos of like a thousand yes. views of DMX in a random bar singing and dancing and shit. And it's like. God damn, did everybody run into DMX somewhere? Like, was he just... You know what it reminds me of? I saw the one he was mopping the floor at the Waffle House. I was like, what? It's like, you just... It just you, I don't know if y'all remember when Prince died, and it seemed like every fucking person has a story about Prince helping them out in life. Like, I learned yeah. Prince might be the, might have been the greatest human being that ever lived because he he apparently gave money to literally everybody. Like, it wouldn't even surprise me if... Prince just woke up on Mondays and walked around his neighborhood handing out $100 bills because that's the kind of stories that were coming out. Yeah. Right now, if you go on YouTube and punch in DMX, you're going to get a million videos, and half of them shits are going to be amateur videos of a random person with DMX where they're the only people in the club, and DMX is there talking about life and probably praying and then, you know, singing Bobby Caldwell songs. You know what I'm saying? It's like you never know what you're going to get, but almost all of it is fun. And almost all of it makes you smile, and almost all of it is is entertaining. So, um, so yeah, you know, problematic stuff. You know, the lyrically and all that other stuff aside, um, no pass on that. But you know, I think we're in that time where we where we discuss that stuff more frequently than we used to, right? We we analyze people's lyrics and the art that they put out in terms of how it actually impacts people. So, there's a lot of people who probably feel less seen by DMX, right, who feel probably negatively about him because of that stuff. But, you know, just bigger picture, you know, I'm glad we got DMX for the time that we had him, for the, for the, the, the art he gave us, for the, the person he seemed to have been. Hopefully he was a good father to his kids. You know, hopefully, you know, what these bitches want is a whole song about all the women he cheated on his wife with. Uh, hopefully she let she forgave that because I when I listened to that song today, as a matter of fact, I was like, man, this is like he let his wife listen to this, like, and it was like, you know, like, wow, I wonder how, but that's art, right? So, dude, he literally has songs where he talk about some. I can't do this to my wife, like, bro, what do you wait? What are we, what are we talking oh, about right my, now? You know, I got a wife. Yeah, I'm not gonna jeopardize my life. Yeah. It's, <laughs> But you are, D. It's right. There's a there's a there's an amazing get from bar to barness to a lot of the things that he rapped about. So um so yeah, any last any last DMX thoughts anybody wants to share? We'll start with you, Manu. Woo! Rest in peace, brother. Um Give us your favorite song too. Yeah, that's my favorite song. Yeah. I yeah. said it. you know for me, it's what these bitches want from a nigga. And it's the interlude before How's It Going Down. I'm sorry, I want to be a better person. Those are two things that I play at least two to three times a week. Uh, All right. Rest in peace, brother. Be in peace. Frank, what about you? So I have two. So on those first two albums, so here's my bias. I love the locks. So on the first two albums, he has songs with them and then a feature, another feature. So one is with Jay and one is with Mace. And they got really no airtime, but those are my favorite, like, I love DMX that joint with bass. Slash Rough Riders songs, period. Like, those two, like, and you, 
you get Mace Murder. You don't get the pretty Mace. You get Mace That's Murder. That's right. That's like, why I love on, it. Man. <laughs> come on, man. Those are my favorite two Rough Rider albums or songs, period. Like, just perfect. <laughs> they were just great. Just great. All right, Bree? Yeah, I love that. I love that joint with Mace, too. Um, I think um, Let Me Fly um, is is a low-key underrated one that you don't hear a lot. It might not be my favorite, but it's my favorite underrated. Since y'all didn't mention that one, I want to I throw that in there. Um, but... Uh, what what else is there to say? I mean, you know, the man, the myth, the legend. People say that all the time, but like it doesn't apply to as many people as we think it does. But it applies to Earl Simmons, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with favorite songs. Or Slipping is one of my favorite songs. I, that is one song I can listen to nonstop. Uh, I what these bitches want. I mean, it's it's just a good. It. I mean. <laughs> It is. You, Come on. Even if you want to hate the song, you you can't. You you just it's like they both committed so hard to to this song. It's like, man, y'all y'all really made this song, and there was nobody smiling while doing it. They was like, we are gonna give this everything. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm a, I'm gonna go to one of the origins. Get at me, dog, because I still remember the first time I saw that video, and I was like, Whoa. wow, this is some real yeah. gritty New York. This is that. This is the other side of, of of the shiny suit stuff. This is this is the the that New York. When I when I think of New York, this is that gritty New York stuff, and that's I've always loved "Get at Me, Dog." Like that joint, that that joint just goes. Um, and in terms of you know just final thoughts, yeah, like rest in peace, you know, rest in power, uh, rest in honor, Earl Simmons. You know, I'm I'm with you, damn near superhero like. When you talk about the myth, the man, the legend, like he's, you know, he lit, he lived a hell of a life. And, you know, I hate that his life ended the way that it did, but he left a mark. And for many people, they don't even get that much. Right. So we will we will always remember DMX. And, uh, you know, I. I'll say for our personal like histories and in college and stuff like he helped make those years what they were. He helped make. The, the my college years hit the way that they hit because there were he was part of the soundtrack of that and it just happens to be i mean we're all biased because of when we grew up but like that happens to be like the greatest years of, of hip-hop ever like everything every every era that we're a part of is the greatest era that happened in and those college years happen to coincide with some of the biggest supernova moments in hip-hop including dmx his ascent and the level at which he reached so um you know, we're better off for, for DMX having having been here. Uh, so yeah. Uh, before we go, Jabri, ill-informed homies. What what we got going on? We got you know what's what's up with the ill-informed homies? Yeah, man, we getting ready for the new season of ill-informed homies. We're gonna be back um, real soon, real soon this month, I think. Um, you know, we're gonna have Manu joining us uh, this yeah, season. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Come on. You know, uh, you know, Panama will be in and out. Uh, you know, we, we're gonna get the band back together, and you know, we we'll talk about the talk about the issues of the day, like only the Inform Homies can on the Black Tacit Podcast Network, available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Nice. All right. Well, for myself, you know, thanks everybody for checking us out here, Bree, Frank, uh, Manu. Yeah. You know, thank you for joining me here on Past the Peas. Uh, 
wish it was under better circumstances in this particular conversation, but I'm glad we got a chance to talk about one of our hip hop legends and give some Absolutely. of the flowers even after his passing. But you know, it's 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 a due conversation. I was glad to do it with people that I know been through the same thing that I've been through in terms of DMX. We were all there together for all this, so you know, I couldn't uh couldn't ask for better people to have a conversation about DMX with so appreciate y'all. And for everybody listening, past the peas, I'm Panama Jackson. Have a black I drop my verse in the salsa. My nigga, what you pouting for? You the one they made the mountains for. Be humble. The people help you up when you stumble. Or when you fumble. Well, I take a fucking bad vibe and I channel it. In this life, I be adamant. You take a hit and be out of it. It's all